Well, this week and next week, we're wrapping up our series that we've been in on what the Apostle Paul calls the fruit of the Spirit. And in Galatians chapter 5, he lists these out for us. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this morning, as we get to the end of this series, we're going to be looking closer at perhaps the most ignored fruit in our day and time, and perhaps the most needed fruit in our day of time, gentleness. Gentleness. And when the Apostle Paul was was writing this uh, almost 2,000 years ago, he was writing in the midst of a world that was dominated by the Roman Empire, And in that culture, in his day and time, gentleness was not something highly valued by the people. People who were leaders, who were respected, who were seen as virtuous, were neither humble nor were they gentle. Instead, the people at the top of society, the people who got the accolades, were loud, they were proud, they walked with a sense of bravado, they said whatever they wanted, they did whatever it took to get to the top, and they were celebrated along the way. And now 2,000 years later, you might realize that not a ton has actually changed. That in our culture, gentleness really isn't something highly valued either. I mean, today if you think about who gets promotions, who gets the spotlight, who gets attention, usually it's people who are loud, people who are proud, it's people who we usually wouldn't just think of as gentle. And you can think about how our society values or devalues gentleness by thinking about this. Have you ever been to an awards ceremony, maybe watched one on TV or maybe at your job or maybe at your kid's elementary school? Have you ever seen an award for the most gentle person given out? An award for the most gentle person, right? You know, you get the most gentle CEO of the year award. You get the most gentle football coach of the year. You know, we just don't hear about that stuff. We don't talk about that stuff. When we think of gentleness, we say, you know what? We want gentle. We want a gentle facial cleanser. We want a gentle hair color. We want a gentle dog for our family that's going to be good with kids. I mean, those are the ways we think about gentleness in our world. And so when it comes to all these other things, we're like, yeah, gentleness is for some things, but but not for, you know, people we respect or admire or lift up high in society. But but this isn't just something that's ignored in in society. I would say it's also true in the church as well. In writing 180 years ago, George Bethune, a pastor, wrote this. He said, perhaps no grace is less prayed for or less cultivated than gentleness. Indeed, it's considered rather as belonging to natural disposition or external manners than as a Christian virtue. And seldom do we reflect that not to be gentle is sin. I mean, think about that. 180 years ago, he was writing this, and, and, and really not much has, has changed since then. I mean, we pray for patience. We pray for, for love. We pray for, for strength and, and courage. But I mean, how many of you, if you really just looked at your prayers of the last year, have prayed for God to give you gentleness? Or if, if you think about things you confess, right? We confess maybe lust or anger or pride, but do we confess uh, a lack of, of gentleness? 
But I mean, we know, we know it's true in the church that, that gentleness isn't something always highly valued. I mean, if you just go to like any church softball league game, you will see a lot of church people are not gentle with one another. There's going to be yelling. There's going to be screaming. I've seen more fights among church people at church sports events than anywhere else, which is why I think they're kind of fading from society now because Christians just got tired of fighting each other on Thursday nights. I mean, gentleness is not something a lot of people in the church think about. And I would say even as leaders in the church, gentleness isn't something that's always highly valued in leadership. I did a, I did a search on a, on a website. There's a consulting company, for lack of a better term, that works with some of America's largest churches to help them find pastors when they have a vacancy. And so I said, oh, well, all the job descriptions are online. Let's go look at the job descriptions among all of these top churches. Guess how many times gentleness was listed as a requirement? Zero. No, I mean, there were words like, you know, we want a visionary pastor. We want a pastor who can preach powerfully. We want someone who can multiply our growth and take us to the next level. But there wasn't much, there wasn't much talk of gentleness on those job descriptions for leaders in the church. And this morning, as a leader in the church, I'll, I'll come to you very clearly up front in confession that gentleness is something I often struggle with. It's something I've devalued in my own life and haven't prioritized and haven't always sought. When my friend Natalie was, was preaching here the very first Sunday of 2020, when we were waiting on our son to be born, she, she put a list of words up from Colossians and she said, I want you to claim a word this year. And the word I claimed was gentleness because it was something I knew I needed to grow in. And so gentleness is something I think that, that is ignored at pretty much every level in our society, in the church and out of the church. It's something that is needed. And I think one reason it's needed because when gentleness isn't present, there is always a cost. There's always a cost and usually it's mistrust, broken relationships, broken institutions, trauma, stress, people who feel devalued and degraded. And so gentleness is something I think when we come to scriptures, we see we clearly need in our lives. It is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so I think if we're going to grow in gentleness at any level, where we have to begin is to, is to first think about, okay, well, what is gentleness? What, what, what it isn't? And then how does gentleness connect with God? And so if you think about what, what gentleness is and defining it, I mean, it's a, little, it's a little amorphous as a term, right? I mean, if you kind of think, okay, what is the definition of gentleness? It's one of those things you kind of know it when you experience it. And when someone is the opposite of gentle, you kind of know that as well. So if you think about the, the opposite of gentleness, we might say somebody is, is harsh, uh, abrasive, flippant, uh, maybe prideful sometimes is, is connected with it. It's something we, we a lot of times know when, when someone isn't gentle with us in a situation. And if we think about what gentleness is, I mean, I would say our culture tells us gentleness is weakness, Right? Gentleness is weakness, it's being just like a doormat, it's letting people walk all over you, it's letting the loudest voices win. I mean, that's a lot of times the cultural skip we've inherited uh, about what gentleness is. But when it comes to scripture, the picture we get of gentleness is a little bit different. 
Instead, the picture of gentleness we get throughout the scriptures is one of, of strength. But it's strength under control. Or maybe you can think of it this way. That gentleness is strength with a soft touch. And so this week, as I was thinking about gentleness, uh, every morning pretty much, I, I take my son on a walk, my son and my dog. And we walk down a country road and we go to this horse. I don't even know the horse's name or owner or anything about it. But we go to this horse and we go and we pet it and they make sounds at each other. And I know that at any moment, this horse could kick us and hurt us, which is why there's a fence in between us. But because the horse has been tamed, this horse is actually quite gentle. This horse has a great deal of strength, but the strength is under control. Or another image, one summer I lived in Central America, and I would see people all the time carrying bunches of bananas. And do y'all know what I'm talking about? Not like a six-pack of bananas, like a 500-pack of bananas. Still all together like they grew on the tree. And so I would see usually it was women and children carrying these to market or down the streets. And they'd carry them on their heads. They'd be walking around. And you know with bananas, like it's hard to get a banana from the store to your home without it getting bruised, right? So they have 500 bananas. It takes a great deal of strength to carry them. They know they don't want to bump them. They don't want to bruise them. They don't want to drop them because the bananas are very sensitive and they're very valuable to them. And so to me, that's an image of of gentleness. They're being gentle with these bananas. It's strength with a soft touch. Or we, we can think of the image we get throughout the Bible again and again. The gentleness of a shepherd. And when we think about a shepherd in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, we see an image of a strong person, but a strong person who doesn't yell at the sheep, who doesn't have an electric cattle prod getting the sheep in gear. Instead, we we see someone who is strong, but who uses their staff to guide the sheep. One who uses their voice to guide the sheep. Someone who is strong, but also has a soft touch. And many of you are familiar because it's probably been read many times throughout your life or at funerals you've been to of Psalm 23. This is the image David gives us of of God, our Heavenly Father and Lord. He says this, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth My soul, he leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The prophet Isaiah picks up on this this same image of of God as as a gentle shepherd. Chapter 40, verse 11. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart and he gently leads those that have young. And as we know, when, when, when God in the fullness of time entered into our world in the person of, of Jesus Christ, we know that one of the names of Jesus is the Good Shepherd. And when Jesus entered into our world, Jesus was, was full of the Holy Spirit and Jesus bore the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus was perfectly loving. Jesus was perfectly kind. Jesus was also perfectly 
gentle. Now, that might not be the the exact image you think of when when you you think of Jesus. I mean, maybe you do think of Jesus, right? You know that old photo where Jesus is just petting the little lamb and he seems so soft and nice. But we also get other images of Jesus. I mean, because when we read through the Gospels, we don't get images of Jesus as someone who is weak or someone who is a pushover or someone who is just quiet just to appease other people. No, we get images of Jesus speaking up against religious hypocrisy. We see Jesus pushing back against oppressive systems and oppressive people. We we see Jesus in the temple with a whip. I mean, at times, Jesus was passionate. He got angry. He wasn't weak. Jesus was strong, but with a soft touch. And, And Jesus, as he was passionate as he was speaking out as he was loving other people he never did it in a dehumanizing way he never did it in a harsh way or a bullying way instead he had strength with a soft touch and we see that in Jesus's ministry he loved people particularly who have been brutalized by the world people who are pushed to the edge people who have been stomped upon by society in all those different ways and he loved them Gently, And his message to those people and his message to the world was this in Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is is easy, and my burden is light. And one author, Christopher Wright, in his book on the fruit of the Spirit, says Jesus' gentleness, it wasn't just in his life, it was also tested most in his arrest and at his trial and in his crucifixion. Because, I mean, think about Jesus in those moments. He could have called down angels to destroy everybody in a moment. He could have cursed everybody that was taking part in all of that stuff. He could have angrily and harshly rebutted everything that people were saying negative against him and all the false charges that they had. But, but instead, he, he endured suffering on the cross like that one over there for us. And on the cross, he, he gently called to his disciples, Hey, will you care for my mother? On the cross, he forgave his enemies on the cross, he welcomed one of the thieves into paradise that day. And then he died. And on the third day, he rose again. And even when Jesus rose again, defeating sin and defeating death, I mean, you would think he would have just been strutting around. But Jesus, he didn't have bravado. He didn't have pride. He didn't have any of that. Even in his resurrection, he wasn't marching around with triumphalism. Instead, he was risen by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he was still bearing the fruit of the Spirit. And he was still loving and he was still gentle. And one of the beautiful pictures we get of his gentleness is after his resurrection on the shores of the Sea of Galilee as he encounters Peter. Peter, who had denied him three times just days before. Peter, who was feeling full of shame and full of guilt and who was feeling like, you know what, my life, my life's pretty much over. And so what do you do when you feel that way? You go and do the old things that you're familiar with. So he was out fishing. And while he was fishing, Jesus met him with gentleness, just like he had done so many other people who had fallen short in sin. 
And in John, John's gospel, John chapter 21, we find this interaction. After they finish eating, Jesus says to Simon Peter, he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him a third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus didn't rebuke him. He didn't shame him. He didn't yell out his sin for the whole world to hear. But I mean, Jesus, this is a little, little tough here. It was a little tough for Peter to hear Jesus ask him three times. And it was, it was a tough, it was a strong reminder of the three times that Peter had denied Jesus just days before. But Jesus did it even when he was correcting and restoring him. He did it with a soft touch. He did it with gentleness. And then, if you notice what, what he basically commissions Peter to be, he commissions him to be what? A shepherd. To go and to care for others. To go and to love others. To go into a new season of ministry. And as we see Peter go into this new season of ministry in the book of Acts, we see him. He, he was someone who, who was bold, who was strong. But after the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the church, we see that, that he had been tamed. He had been tamed by the Holy Spirit. And he went on to do work that was amazing all over the world. And what I want you to see this morning is that just like Peter had failed in so many ways, we often fail too. We fail, we fail in particular to be gentle. And when we do, Jesus comes and finds us. And he offers us forgiveness. He offers us restoration. And he offers us not just forgiveness and restoration, but he also offers us transformation by the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants us to be transformed people who are sent out into the world to love and to care for others. And so as we think about the transforming work that the Holy Spirit wants to do in us, to make us gentle people, this morning I, I want to give you just, just three ways I, I think that we can be on this path to gentleness. Three things we can do to continue to grow in this area of our lives, which, as I said earlier, I think is very ignored and very needed for each and every one of us. And the first thing I think that we need to do, it's very simple, it's very basic. I've said it about seven times in this series. The first thing is to seek the Holy Spirit. Seek the Holy Spirit, because when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, it's easy to think that, that we can manufacture these, that we can just try harder, and that tomorrow we're just going to be gentle people. But Paul is telling us here that we can't do this on our own. It only happens as the Holy Spirit is filling us and working in us. And the reason we have to pray for the Holy Spirit to fill us each and every day is because we are leaky, broken vessels, and we need to be filled over and over and over again. 
And, and if, if you don't know what, what a prayer like that looks like, there are prayer cards at each exit in the room. It's a prayer we've said throughout this series. And, and if you want a very simple version of it, it's simply, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill me. Fill me afresh. Come Holy Spirit. And as you're praying and seeking the Holy Spirit, I would encourage you to also pray specifically for gentleness. Because this is something a lot of us are specifically lacking, let's pray specifically for it and confess specifically when we're not gentle with other people. So number one, seek the Holy Spirit. And the second thing I would say to do as we're, we're trying to cultivate what the Holy Spirit's doing in us is, is to strive to be self-aware. Strive to be self-aware because it's so easy in, in, a, in a sermon like this, in a series like this, to think, you know what? I need to share this message on Facebook later because I got some friends who need to hear it. Right? Anybody know somebody in your life who isn't gentle? Right? It's easy to think, okay, you know what? I, they need to know about this. These people need to know about patience. These people need to know about love. You know what? All these people have some growing to do. And a lot of times it's easy to let ourselves off the hook and not look inside of ourselves. It's easy to, to get complacent and think, you know what? I, I'm, I'm fine. But one of the things we have to do is to become more self-aware and to understand how in our lives we're not gentle what are those situations? Who are those people that we're not gentle with? And years ago, I heard a pastor give a simple question. He said, if you ask this question to people you trust and love, that's, that's a disclaimer, people you trust and love, he said, if you ask this question and you receive their response, it, it will begin to change every relationship in your life. And it's a, it's a scary question. We're gonna put it up here on the screen. And the question is this, what's it like to be on the other side of me. He said, if you want to transform your relationships and grow in character, grow in virtue, grow in the fruit of the Spirit, sit down the people you love and say, hey, I'm going to be vulnerable here. I want you to, you to be honest with me. What's it like to be on the other side of me? What's it like to be my, my spouse? What's it like to be my child? And then listen, honestly, openly, with, with an open heart, listen to their answers. Because my guess is, if, if people are willing to be truthful with you, you'll begin to see those places in your life. Those areas where the Holy Spirit needs to continue doing a work. And as we become more self-aware, we're able to say, Holy Spirit, would you heal that place? Holy Spirit, would you help me particularly in this situation? Holy Spirit, I know when I interact with this person, it is tough for me to be gentle. But as we become more self-aware, gentleness and the Holy Spirit are able to work in a new way in us. So seek the Holy Spirit. Strive to be self-aware. And then the final one, I'm a preacher. It's an S. See people as God sees them. See people as God sees them. In our world today, it, this, is, this one is it, so easy to not do because, because of the internet and the way screens mediate stuff and we, we think there's not actually a person on the other side of things. 
but strive to see people as God sees them. And the way God sees people is he sees these are people who are created in my image. Every single person has been created in God's image and therefore is of sacred worth. And it's easy, easy to forget this. And when we forget this, what happens is we begin to dehumanize other people. We begin to treat them with with harshness and with disrespect. We begin to see people as problems to be solved and problems to be overcome and not as people to be loved. But when we remember this and when we begin seeing every person we interact with, even the people who, who annoy us and who are hard for us to love, when we begin seeing them as God sees them as his creation, it begins to transform us. And I think one of the things it does is it helps make us more gentle in our relationships with others. And I said earlier, I lived one summer in Central America and, and seeing people as God sees them became more clear to me one day when we were doing pastoral visits to, to people's homes. It was very nice. You just walk, you don't call ahead, you just show up and a lot of people were at home. So we'd go visit and on one of the visits, the, the pastor said, hey, you know, this house we're about to visit next, um, you know, as, as we approach and, and meet him, you know, don't, don't be scared, don't be nervous, you know what, just, just, just be open and, and try to love this person. And we're like, well, I, the pastor didn't give this disclaimer to anybody else. And as we walked, there was a main house, as we walked behind the, the house behind it and went to the, this little kind of shed type of building where this man lived, we realized why he had given us that disclaimer. Because there sitting across the table from us was uh, a man who was covered head to toe, every, every piece of open skin in MS-13 tattoos, which is a very notorious gang abroad and here in the United States, covering his face. And it was a little shocking. But as we sat across from this man and began to hear his story, we began to go deeper than the tattoos that covered his skin. And so he talked about how when he was younger, he, he had joined the gang. And he had done, he had done many bad things. But he, he met Jesus. And Jesus was transforming his life from the inside out. But one of the challenges he'd been having is that, that in his society, he, he was basically on house arrest. Because he, he couldn't leave his house because if he left the house, the police immediately thought this guy is guilty. He's an active gang member. People in the market immediately got scared or treated him in a cold way or avoided him. And so he basically stayed at his home all day long and until who knows when. And as we, we sat across him that day and we're hearing his story, we, we saw this man who, who was was clearly strong, but who actually had a very soft heart and a soft touch to him. And as we began to be able to, to see past the outside and see the inside, we were able to, to really see, okay, how does God see this man? And God sees him as someone who was created in his image and who was worthy of love, of gentleness and care, just like everybody else in the world. And so, so if, if we're going to grow in gentleness, I have to think, 
we need to begin seeing people as God sees them. Striving to be self-aware and seeking after the Holy Spirit. And God says, I'm a good father. When my children ask for good gifts like the Holy Spirit, I will give it to them. And when you begin living more gently, I'll just tell you that the world will say you're naive, you're soft, you don't know how things work, but your heavenly father will look down on you and say, thank you. Thank you for treating every single person I've created with love and with care. So let's ask God to make the, that real in our lives. Heavenly Father, we, we confess to you that we rarely confess our lack of gentleness. God, we confess that we have been shaped by our culture and we have contributed to our culture. We have devalued this gift of the Holy Spirit, this fruit of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in the lives of others around us. And so this morning, just as you forgave Peter, just as you promised to forgive us when we confess our sins, we, we confess our sins this morning, our lack of gentleness and so many others, and we pray that you would forgive us that you would restore us, but you, you wouldn't leave us there, God. We pray that your Holy Spirit would transform us and that as we're filled with his presence, that we would be filled with gentleness as well. So come, Holy Spirit. Fill your people once again. God, help us to discover those areas and those situations where we're not gentle and help us as we walk through this world to see every person as someone who is created in your image. And God, help us love and handle them with care. We ask all of these things in Christ's holy name.